Section 41 of From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asafkos. From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Dupre Miller. Fritjof the Viking. Retold from the Norse saga of Fritjof. In the royal halls, King Beli reigned. Power and might were his, and descent from a noble line of kings. Yet his best beloved friend, his old brother in arms, closest of all to his heart, was none other than Thorsten the Viking, born of no royal blood, but son of an humble yeoman staunch were the hearts of these two in devotion to one another as the fast-passing winters silvered their heads their friendship only grew deeper and stronger throughout all the northern lands in hall and bower the skates sang songs of that beautiful friendship now king Beli had two sons and one lovely daughter ingeborg the fair but Thorsten had one only son, the stalwart stripling Fritjof. When Ingeborg and Fritjof were little more than smiling babes, their fathers committed them to the care of a third trusty friend, old Hilding, who dwelt at a distance from the court in a rich and handsome farmhouse that rose from the midst of well-kept barns and blossoming fields and pastures there in sturdy simplicity ingeborg and fritjof passed together a pure and joyous childhood she a soft budding sweet blushing rose and he an oak straight and lordly how happy was he when as a mere boy he took her first in his swift skimming skiff out on the blue waters of the fjord and she clapped her hands in childish glee as he set the snowy sail how happy when he first lifted her up to peer at the eggs and little ones in the nests of the beautiful songbirds that lay hidden amongst the trees no brook was ever so wide and angry that he did not carry ingeborg across her little white arms tight about his neck her head against his breast the first blossom in the woodland peeping up beneath the snow the first luscious ripened strawberry glowing red from its tangles of leaves the first golden ear of corn he carried them all to his little queen but ah almost before old hilding knew it it was no more these childish treasures but a great bear slain without a weapon in breast-to-breast -breast struggle that the young hero bore slung across his shoulder to lay at ingeborg's feet when winter came and the long home evenings with all the housemates gathered together before the blazing hearth young fritjof read aloud the ancient lays of odin the all-father and valhalla's heavenly halls but not one of the old goddesses not even freya the fair seemed to fritjof more lovely than his own sweet playmate sitting there in the ruddy glow of the flaming logs her hair in golden ringlets her brow as white as the new-driven snow, her blue eyes soft and gentle as the tender sky in spring. And Ingeborg herself, as she sat at her loom through the day, 
singing the deeds of heroes, and weaving into her tapestry with wool of many colors the figures of knights and soldiers and the heroes of her singing, began to make her hero more like in face and bearing to the stately Fritjof. Above all others on earth, Ingeborg and Fritjof loved each other. Then the heart of old Hilding misgave him. Beware, my son, he said to his ward. Let not this love of thine master thee. No good can come of it. Remember, Ingeborg is daughter of a king, and thou art but son to a yeoman. But Fritjof laughed the warning to scorn. The freeborn man is second to none, he cried. The world is the free man's. I will do such deeds that the king himself will be proud to give me his daughter. Now came the day when old Billy and Thorsten, sitting side by side in the palace with faces lined and marked till they looked like ancient rocks deeply graven with runes, spake thus to one another. Our day is done for earthly sights our eyes grow dim ever nearer shines valhalla ere the white-armed valkyries with flying hair bear us off to those heavenly halls let us call our sons before us and give them good counsel they should be ever knit firmly together as we have been in closest unity and love so came the sons, first Billy's eldest, dark and gloomy, with stern and sullen brow, Helge, heir to the throne, then Halfden, Billy's younger lad, with sunny locks and noble features, yet too soft, a maid almost, in warrior's guise. Last of all came Fritjof, by a head the tallest of the three, standing between the king's two sons like the full and radiant noon between shy dawn and lowering dusk sons spake the king my day is sinking low and yours will soon be breaking as you are brothers so be friends and rule the land in harmony let power stand guard at your borders that no enemy enter in but let peace hold gentle sway within the land in your safe keeping your swords should never threaten but protect guard well your people and act ever in unity with them for a king is not without the people be never hard when thou art king o helge only firm Remember, gentleness alone leads a noble heart to right-doing, even as the spring's mild breath opens the earth which wintry frosts but harden. And thou, Helfden, be mindful that cheerfulness graces a wise man, yet do carelessness and frivolty ill beseem a king. When the king had made an end of speaking, Thorsten thus addressed his son. Honor the gods, O Fritjof, for reverence becomes a man. Obey the king and never envy him whose place is above thine own. Thou hast great bodily strength, 
but remember such a gift is worthless unless joined with wisdom to direct it turn thee from evil bend thy will to what is good and noble and do right thus wilt thou not have lived in vain many more were the loving words spoken by the old warriors on that day they told the youths of their long friendship and how through joy and sorrow they had ever stood together hand in hand sharing alike the changeful gifts of life and both bequeathed their friendship to their sons as a jewel of greatest price last of all king Beli committed his beloved daughter ingeborg with many tender words to the care of his two sons when we are gone he said old friend thorsten and i lay our bodies in two mounds which you shall raise one on each side of the blue bay its wave shall sing our dirge but when the pale moon pours on the mountains her silver sheen and midnight dew lies cool upon the fields then we too will still commune together in closest comradeship and now sons fare ye well go back to your work and play for us our way lies to all fathers halls the place of rest for which we long as long the weary rivers to the sea go and the grace of frey and thor and odin go with you not many months thereafter Beli and thorsten had departed from this life for the glories of valhalla and their bodies as directed lay side by side in mounds on each side of the bay then went a herald riding through the land from farm to farm from home to home summoning all the people to the ting the general meeting of true-hearted free men in whose breasts is safely housed the honor of the nation there helga and helfden were elected joint kings to rule the realm together frithjof too entered now into his inheritance the homestead of his father at framnas with hills and valleys and woods three miles each way and the sea as boundary on one side the heights were crowned with birchwood and many a shining lake mirrored the mountains and forests where antlered elks stalked majestic in the gently sloping fields the golden barley ripened in the sun and rise so tall that a man might hide in it the green and blooming pastures in the valleys were dotted with herds of kine and flocks of sheep as white and fleecy as the cloudlets in the sky in the stables there stood in stately rows four-and-twenty fiery steeds their manes braided with red ribbons their hoofs glistening with polished shoes but the wonder of the place was the banquet hall a palace in itself built solidly of fir trunks so large it was that six hundred guests hardly filled it at the yuletide feast the table of oak stretched the whole length of the hall and was waxed to a polish as bright as steel 
the raised platform at the host's end was adorned with two statues of gods odin with royal mien and frey with the sun on his brow between the two was the host's seat covered with a huge black bearskin with scarlet mouth and silver mountain claws it seemed but yesterday that thorsten himself sat there gravely and yet genially entertaining his friends while the logs blazed high on the deep stone hearth in the middle of the hall stars peered down through the smoke escape in the roof and the firelight gleamed and glinted from the armor that hung on the walls but of all the family treasures which now fell to fritjof the most dearly prized were the ancient and peerless sword angurwadel and the great dragon ship elide long stretched as a sea serpent rose the prow of elide the neck swung aloft in graceful curves the head with red mouth wide open her sides were blue with spots of gold at the stern her mighty tail uncoiled in rings silver scaled her sails were black tipped with scarlet and when she unfurled them she could fly like the storm wind and far exceed in fleetness the eagle's flight when filled with men in armor she seemed like a floating castle great was the fame of that ship far and wide was she known as peerless in the north over all these treasures now was fritjof master and he sat at the funeral feast a tearful host on his father's seat which should henceforth be his own when the earth had donned once more her robe of green few dragon ships still lingered in the harbors most of that bold craft had sallied forth on foreign ventures as was the norseman's wont but fritjof thoughts did not roam the seas these moonlit nights of lovely may he sought the solitude of the woods while alida swung restlessly in the harbor tugging at her anchor his thoughts were full of ingeborg alone and so one day he loosed the ship she bounded from her moorings and bore him with swelling sails across the bay to the spot where helga and helton sat on king belly's grave mound holding open court of justice proudly yet respectfully fritjof spoke o kings i love fair ingeborg as mine own soul and crave her at your hands to be my bride such surely was your father's wish for it was by his will we two grew up together true my father was neither king nor earl yet he did such deeds as give his name high place in all the songs of scalds i myself could easily win a kingdom yet would i liefer stay at home and guard your realm for you protecting with my sword your royal castle and the poor man's hut alike we are here on your father's mound hear ye his sons and do as he would have wished but king helga started to his feet and spake in scornful tones our sister is not for the bonder's son 
though thou shouldst by force of arms compel men to hail thee greatest of all norseland's sons never should maid of odin's blood mate with a low-born adventurer nor is there any call for thee to take thought for my realm i can hold it and care for it myself if thou wouldst be my servant there is a place for thee amongst my men-at-arms at words so hateful the warm welling spring of friendship in of heart closed tight fierce burning wrath sprang up instead in clarion tones he cried thy servant i will never be black-hearted king take heed that thou keep well thy boast and find no need for my good sword it is a trusty blade and he clove with one furious stroke king helder's golden shield that hung on the limb of a tree above him as it fell with an ominous clang to the ground fridjof strode from the place black-browed with anger that consumes like fire and withers in the human heart all gently springing buds of great and good desires meantime in a nearby kingdom dwelt the old king ring a man of such pity and wisdom as were famed throughout the northland the verdant valleys and shady woods of his happy realm never resounded with the evil noise of war peacefully the crops ripened there and roses bloomed for justice sat enthroned severe yet gracious on the judgment seat and freedom dwelt with peace in happy harmony at the meetings of the king every man was free to speak his mind without restraint or fear and like a father was the king beloved by all his subjects but now king ring's good wife was dead and though he loved her with undying love he saw necessity for the sake of his country and his motherless babes to choose himself another bride my old-time friend king billy left a daughter he said for her hand will i sue true she is but young just budding into bloom playmate of lilies and roses while many a winter's snow lies on my scanty locks still should she find in her heart some love to give an honest man though he be old and womanly care for tender motherless babes then fain would my winter share with her spring this throne so he sent warriors and scolds with attendants many to bear gifts and honorable offers to king billy's sons right royalty was the train received but when king helge with his priests consulted at the altar to inquire the will of the gods concerning this marriage the omens were so dark so portending such disaster that helge ever a slave to dark and gloomy superstitions rejected king ring's wing right curtly while childish hafton with scant respect made an open joke at the old man's expense bitterly angered the envoys departed all the story of their insulting dismissal they told to king ring the good old man who would have accepted graciously a courteous refusal answered little 
but his words were grim with his spear he struck the iron shield on the bow of an ancient linden tree the signal that summoned all the people to arms war heralds hurried right and left soon in answer the dragon ships came crowding with their blood-red crests and helmets nodded in the breeze king helga heard of this warlike array and was greatly perturbed in spirit for though great pride of heart was his he was utterly lacking in courage moreover he knew that king ring although he loved not war was all the more a powerful foe for the very reason that he never gave battle without just cause knowing that king ring's first attempt would doubtless be to carry ingeborg away helge ordered his sister to retire into the enclosure of baldur's temple thus placing her in pure and gentle keeping of the best beloved among the gods the temple of baldur was to all the peoples of the north the most sacred of all sanctuaries and whatever woman or maid had taken refuge there was secure from the approach of any man death awaited him who should force a way into that holy place there lovely ingeborg sat day after day sad and tearful bending over her embroidery frame plying her needle or sorting her silks and golden threads fridjof meantime lived on moody and moping in the seclusion of his freehold at fremnas he nursed his wrath and would not go to helga's aid all his thoughts centered instead on one fierce intent he would see ingeborg once more the sunshine of his life no matter what the cost he would enter the sacred enclosure of baldur he sent secret word to ingeborg that he was coming and his good ship elide bore him by night to the unguarded shore of the temple grounds there ingeborg was waiting in the pale dusk of a northern night in spring how joyous was their greeting though likewise full of tears true ingborg was frightened at fridjof breaking thus into the sanctuary of baldur but he led her reverently to the cavern statue of the gentle god and said baldur the good can never be angry at the innocent meeting of two lovers we mean no disrespect to him before his altar we will ever bend the knee thus many happy meeting they two had in secret after that first daring step but at length with many prayers and tears and a thousand coaxing ways ingeborg won fridjof's promise when next the thing should meet presided over by her brothers to go before the people once more ask her of the kings and offer them his hand in friendship so came the day when free men gathered to the ting on Belize mound from top to bottom northland's free men stood in ordered ranks with hand on hilt and shield to shield on the stone judgment seat king helgus sat dark as a thundercloud and by him halfden a grown-up boy leaned carelessly on his sword suddenly fridjof stood before them king helge he said war stands at the borders 
thy realm is threatened give me thy sister and my arm is thine to fight thy battles loyally cast prejudice aside let all ill-feeling be forgotten here is my hand a murmur as of rising sea waves swept over the thing a thousand swords struck applause against a thousand shields and voices here and there swelled into one mighty roar oh give him ingeborg he is the best sword in all the land in vain with cold contempt king helga said the bonder's son might even yet call ingeborg bride but never he who sacrilegiously broke into baldur's temple speak frithjof didst thou not commit that crime say yes or no a shout went up from the ring of men say no o frithjof we will believe thy word and woo for thee thorsten's son is equal of kings say no and ingeborg is thine but frithjof answered the will or woo of all my life hangs on my answer yet would i never tell a lie to buy valhalla's joys much less the joys of earth i did in truth enter the sacred precincts of baldur's temple to speak with ingeborg but did not thereby disturb the peace of that holy place a groan of horror ran throughout the ting those nearest frithjof recoiled with blanching cheeks as though his deed had been a crime unspeakable in tones low and ominous helga said our laws leave me free to order either death or exile for such a deed as thine yet will i be merciful far out on the western sea there lies a cluster of islands over which earl angantyr rules as long as Bali lived the earl sent yearly tribute but not since Bali's death go demand the tribute and bring it home thus and thus only mayest thou redeem thy life and honour bitterly frithjof sought once more ingborg in the temple at first in his madness he urged her to flee with him flee far away to the smiling blue seas of distant greece to that land of soft and balmy breezes so different from the cold and hardy northland but ingeborg though all her heart was longing would not listen to his pleading she would not flee away in lawlessness and let frithjof taint his honour further still by her gentle pleading she persuaded him to go and expiate his guilt by seeking angantyr then he cried when my task is performed my honour cleared and i am free from guilt i will return and demand thee of the open thing that and not helga is thy rightful guardian and he gave to ingeborg as pledge of his undying love a wondrous golden armlet curiously wrought and adorned with a matchless ruby so he went and ingeborg from the mighty rocks on the shore 
watched the dragon-ship Alida make off to the distant sea. Long and wistfully she watched, her heart sad and full of forebodings. Hard was Fritjof's journey, westward and through terrific tempests, but at last, storm-battered and weary, he and his men arrived at the court of Earl Angantyr, lord of the Orkneys. Splendid indeed was the hall of the Earl, and far less crude than the halls of the Northland. Fritjof's walls had not to cover the bare rough-hewn planks, but the earls were hung with gilt-leather hangings, stamped with many a cunning design. Instead of a hearth in the middle of the floor, Earl Angantyr's hall had marble mantles at both ends of the room, with chimneys so well constructed that no smoke remained inside, and no soot blackened the walls. The windows had panes of glass, and for lighting at night there were silver sconces with waxen candles, instead of the smoky but fragrant pine chip stuck in a chink of the planking to which Fritjof was accustomed. High on a dais, in a chair of massive silver, the earl sat in state, his golden helmet and corslet flashing. He wore a rich purple mantle embroidered with stars and bordered with bands of ermine. Courteously he received Fritjof, for Thorsten had been his good friend. When Fritjof had eaten and drunk, he frankly told Earl Angantyr that he had come for tribute. As he spoke thus boldly, a silence fell upon all in the hall, but at length Earl Angantyr said, tribute i never paid i held in honour but never was vassal of his as to his hairs i know nothing of them if they have any claim let them be man and come and enforce it themselves but thorsten was my friend and this is my gift to my old friend's son so speaking he gave to fritjof a belt pouch worked in green with a clasp of rubies and a tassel of spun gold the pouch was filled full of golden coins do with this gift as pleases thee if it be thy wish give it over unto king helge when thou returnest but do thou and thy men stay with us the winter through i pray thee so Fritjof remained in the Orkneys through the winter, but at the first breath of spring in the air, at the first touch of green in the thawing fields, he thanked his host and once again entrusted himself to the sea. Merrily Alida drew the silver furrow over the dark blue plain. What joy it is to the mariner to set the sails for home, to watch for the smoke which rises from his own hearth for the rock from which a faithful maid has daily looked for him out to sea so watched fritjof with beating heart and dimming eyes as he neared the rocky northern shore this is his own land and those are his own woods there is the temple of balder where his beloved ingeborg awaits him and now he can hear the waterfall which rushes headlong down the rocks he rounds the headland, 
a moment more and he will see the roof of his homestead above the trees he looks and rubs his eyes and looks again there is no sign of his beloved fremness anywhere yet stay a tall chimney stack bare and black rises from the midst of a heap of ruins he looks and looks again his heart stands still then he leaps ashore everywhere is a waste of cinders ashes charred and broken stones nowhere is there a sign of life only his faithful hound springs to him in wild glee and his favorite courser milk-white with golden mane comes bowing from the woods a moment more an old hilding stood suddenly by the side of the broken-hearted man alas dear son he cried there was a battle with king ring just one soon after thou didst go despite his boyishness king helfton showed himself a man but helge lost heart and fled and that was the end as he passed thy homestead in flight he burned it to the ground then the brothers had no choice king ring would accept of no peace offering but their sister poor ingeborg how that brave and gentle spirit sorrowed in these arms of mine i lifted her from the saddle on her wedding day slender and swain as a lily stalk king helda caught sight of thy bracelet on her arm roughly he tore it off with a curse now by her wish thy last beloved gift is on baldur's arm in his sacred keeping but ingeborg is the bride of king ring violently then fridjof burst forth with words of madness in his mighty grief the coward to rob the eagle's nest when the eagle was flown i will repay him it was midsummer night over the hills stood the midnight sun blood-red and beamless it was not day it was not night as something gray and weird between on that night was held a yearly festival of sacrifice to baldur and fridjof knew full well that the priestly helge would be found in baldur's temple wild with grief and fury he rushed to the spot where helge stood by the altar stone at sight of him the blood left helge's face fridjof spoke in a voice like the storm wind for fury here is thy tribute take it then here by baldur's pyre we fight for life or death as he spoke he took from his belt earl angantyr's heavy purse and hurled it straight at helge's head blood spurted from the royal mouth and nose helge's knees gave way and senseless he sank to the ground what mocked fridjof canst thou not stand the touch of thy own gold thou most dastardly of norseland sons then he turned scarce knowing what he said to the statue of baldur and thou pale baldur check thine anger for by thy leave i must have that bracelet upon thy arm it was never meant for thee he snatched at the bracelet to strip it off in his fury but it seemed grown fast to the statue's arm 
at last with a mighty wrench he jerked it free but the statue swayed as he did so and fell headlong into the altar fire while the priest stood speechless with horror in a twinkling the flames leapt upward and caught at the beams of the roof at that awful sight Fritjof awakened suddenly to the sacrilege of his deed for a moment he stood transfixed then rushing to the doors he cried open wide the doors get out the people the temple burns water pour water pour the sea from all directions men came running a chain was quickly formed from the temple to the beach buckets ran from hand to hand and soon the water was hissing sputtering on the heated wood Fridjof climbed with frenzied bravery to the top of the threatened roof, and sitting there astride, midst the hideous flames and smoke, he flooded all with water as the buckets were passed up to him. His voice never ceased ringing out commands, he alone directed the work, but all was in vain. The flames he had started raged with the same relentless fury as those but now raging within his own breast it was as though gentle balder roused to wrath had meant to show him to the full the fierce destructive nature of that consuming fire he had nourished but now within his heart from the temple the flames spread to the trees of the surrounding grove licking the curling shriveling foliage up sweeping with a roar like the tempest challenging the very heavens at last from a sea of fire the grove suddenly collapsed into a wilderness of glowing stumps a vast heap of dead gray ashes and embers like angry red eyes early morning showed the night's awful work of destruction silently the people dispersed and fritjof went his way alone filled full of the horror of his deed made an outcast from among men by the frenzy of his fury weeping the scalding tears of a strong man's despair for fritjof now there seemed nothing to do but go to sea in his dragon ship and lead the life of a viking three years long he roamed the seas in his floating castle the sore and restless spirit within driving him to many a wild adventure till his name was named throughout the north for the crude bold courage of conquest but in all this was not to bring real content to the soaring soul of fritjof when he reached those softly smiling seas of sunny greece that once he had described to ingeborg as a place of such delight he was overcome with homesick longing for the rough and rugged northland and for ingeborg and so he turned his dragon ship at last to the realm of king ring with one thought only in his heart he must see ingeborg he must it was yuletide king ring serene and gracious sat at the head of his own festive board with his queen fair and gentle beside him spring and autumn strangely mated suddenly a stranger stood in the doorway an old man of enormous stature wrapped in a bear skin and leaning on a staff 
at sight of him a company of youthful retainers by the door laughed and exchanged jeering glances the stranger's eyes shot forth blue lightnings with one hand he seized the nearest of the scoffers a flippant beardless youth and with no effort whatsoever stood him on his head at that the others grew silent and king ring called the man to him what is thy name and whence comest thou he said my name is nothing to thee said the stranger misery is my country want my patrimony yesternight i slept with a wolf to-night i come to thee when the king had heard all this he said quietly come sit thee down by me but drop that clumsy disguise i know thou art no old man and i like not deceit so the guest let the shaggy pelt fall back from his head and there in the old man's place stood one in all the splendor of youth from his brow long golden locks fell to his shoulders a blue velvet mantle thrown back from his breast showed a broad silver belt on which was graven a hunt with flying heart and pursuing hounds broad bands of gold glittered on his arms by his side hung his sword thus the hero stood revealed into the queen's pale cheeks the blood shot quickly even as a snowfield flushes with reflection of the crimson northern lights thou art welcome said the king to our yuletide feast amid a profound and reverent silence the boar was brought in the emblem of frey the sun-god who from this the longest night of the year begins to gather strength to overcome the evil brood of winter giants skilfully roasted whole with wreaths of evergreens around his neck and shoulders and an apple in his mouth as the bearers set the heavy burden down upon the table the king and all his guests bent the knee then the feasting began come now my queen cried king ring served our guest with mead quietly ingeborg took a horn mounted with hoops of gold that stood on bright silver feet upon the table before her and filled it to the brim then she offered it with downcast eyes to fritjof thereafter the scald took the harp and began to sing high ran the harmless merriment and ere the evening was done king ring had invited his guest to stay with him all winter fritjof made no promise yet from day to day he lingered ingeborg gave no sign that she knew him not even a glance and a stern feeling of honor kept fritjof from speaking save as an utter stranger to the queen well he knew that king ring regarded as his enemy that fritjof whom he had never seen but who once had wooed his wife yet now the old man seemed more and more to take delight in his unknown guest's companionship he would hear of no excursion no amusement without him 
on a certain day the king and queen and all their court went on a slaying and skating expedition across the frozen waters of the fjord king ring himself drove a famous swedish trotter hitched to a swan-shaped sleigh with ingeborg in her nest of furs by his side fridjof on skates was racing the trotter to the court's amazement and delight suddenly there was a shriek of horror sleigh and horse had broken through a thin spot on the ice and almost disappeared a moment more and they would be sucked by the current under the ice but in that instant fridjof was on the spot he grasped the horse's head at the bit and with one pull had him out and on his feet then he helped him drag the sleigh with his precious human load beyond the line of danger a good pull and a strong cried the king in admiration that wonder of strong man mine enemy fridjof could not have done better and now he pressed fridjof so earnestly to remain until spring that at last the young man gave his promise in due time spring came with chirping of birds and woodland foliage and long long days once more the rivers ran blithely singing glad of their liberty to the sea a great hunt had long been planned to open the season boughs creaked arrows rattled steeds pawed the ground and at last she appeared for whom all were waiting ingeborg the lady of the hunt alas so beautiful that fridjof must needs turn his eyes away all was ready off they went horns blowing falcons soaring garments flying over hill and dale hi-ho king ring could not ride so fast as the others and he and fridjof were thus left far behind for fridjof stayed ever courteously by the old man's side wearied out the king at last dismounted from his horse to rest in a quiet grove midst ancient elms and birches fridjof took off his mantle and spread it on the ground there king ring stretched his weary limbs and soon fell asleep as he slumbered hark a blackbeard sang into fridjof's ear haste fridjof strike the old man while he slumbers and none are by to see then take the queen for rightfully she is thine fridjof listened but hark in the other ear a white beard sang if no human eye can see still all father's eye is upon thee villain the man is old and unarmed thou canst not kill him thus by turns the two birds sang till fridjof drew his sword in horror and to thrust temptation from him flung the blade far off with violence then the blackbird flew away but the white bird soared on night pinions high up into the sunlight and its joyful carol was like the tone of a silver bell abruptly the old king rose from his slumber where is thy sword he cried it was not safe in my hand i flung it far from me fridjof replied here then o youth said king ring i did not sleep as thou didst suppose but now i only wish to test thee thou art fridjof 
I have known thee from the moment thou didst enter my hall, but well have I seen in these last moments that thou art a man to be trusted. I pity thee and forgive thine attempt to deceive me. I am an old man and soon will be rejoicing in Valhalla. When I am gone, take thou my queen, she is thine by right, and guard my realm for my infant son. But until I go, abide with me and be my son, there is no longer a feud between us. Deeply Fridjof marvelled at the old king's greatness of soul. Humbly he acknowledged it, yet still in his heart burned the memory that he was an outcast from man by reason of his sin in Baldur's temple, and for such as he there could be little hope of good. So he glumly made up his mind to take his leave of the lovely Ingeborg. On a certain day he came to say farewell, but in that very hour King Ring departed this life to come into all father's presence. What then could Fridtjof do but linger? In an open field under the blue canopy of heaven met the thing. A new king must be chosen. There stood Fridtjof of straight and tall upon the judgment stone and close to him the little golden-haired child of ingeborg king ring's sole son a murmur passed around the circle of men as they looked on fridjof's stalwart form and coveted him for a leader the child is too young to rule us they said but fridjof raised the little one upon his shield behold your king he cried the country's blooming hope see how at ease he stands upon the unsteady shield my sword shall guard his kingdom and on his brow some day my hand shall place his father's crown standing on the shield the child looked up with eyes as bold as an eagle's and when he had tired of this novel game he sprang with royal fearlessness from that great height to the ground with a roar of delight the teen greeted this daring feat and man cried out we choose thee king be as thy father great and good and let earl fridjof rule in thy place until thou growest a man do thou earl fridjof take the mother of the boy to be thy wife but fridjof paid no heed he only kissed the little king upon his brow in homage and strode forth alone and silent his grief for his mighty sin still keeping him from ingeborg led by his deep repentance he wandered back to that blackened grove and temple of his crime longing longing for forgiveness cannot repentance and a blameless life atone for a moment's madness he cried and threw himself in a mighty grief and sorrow on his father's mound praying to know how he might redeem himself as he lay there he slept and in his sleep saw a vision a wonderful new temple he saw a temple of marvellous beauty in place of the mass of ruins he had made its dome of crystal pure and blue as virgin ice or the winter sky 
Fritjof gazed in awe upon that structure, and then awaking, cried with joy, The sign! I am to rebuild Baldur's temple fairer than ever before. Oh, joy that it is given to me to atone! And so Fritjof set himself to work to redeem his sin of destructive fury by building anew the temple. More beautiful than ever, with a dignity more stately, a substance more enduring, it rose again, and when the work was done, the day of consecration came. Two by two, twelve maidens entered the sacred place, robed richly in cloth of silver, the bloom of roses in their cheeks and in their innocent hearts. In graceful, stately dance, they moved around the altar as woodland fairies dance on the grassy mounds while morning dew yet sparkles on the grass. And as they danced, they sang the sacred lay of Baldur. Fritjof stood leaning on his sword spellbound. It was as though his days of Viking life, with all their lawlessness, were passing from him altogether, while the joys and dreams of his boyhood came trooping around him, blue-eyed, flower-crowned, smiling, beckoning. Higher and higher his soul was lifted above the lowly haunts of human hatred, human vengeance one by one the iron bands of dark enslaving human passions that had held his breast oppressed fell off as winter's ice melts from some mighty rock the sunshine of peace and love flooded his heart he could have held the world in fond encircling arms now entered Baldur's high priest, tall and of commanding presence, with silver beard flowing down to his girdle, and heaven's own graciousness in his mild and noble countenance. Fritjof's heart was thrilled with reverent awe as the old man spoke. Welcome, son Fritjof. I have looked for thee to return for power misled into violence is sure to come to its senses at last and unite with gentleness if the man's nature but be noble thou wouldst atone and be reconciled knowest thou the meaning of these words to atone and be reconciled is to rise after a fall purer, better than before. We offer sacrifices to the gods and call them atonement, but they are only signs, symbols, not the thing itself. No outward act can take the burden of guilt from thee. A man's atonement is within his own breast i know of one sacrifice dearer to the gods than rarest incense it is the surrender of thy own heart's hatred thy thirst for vengeance if thou canst not tame these if thou canst not forgive then hadst thou better stay away from baldur's fane then is thy building of this temple useless. Baldur's forgiveness cannot be bought with a few blocks of stone. Thou hatest Belize's sons. 
only now has there come news that helge lies slain in finland halfdan rules alone offer him thy hand sacrifice to the gods thy wrath else is all thy building of the temple vain here halfdan stepped across the threshold and with timid look which well became his boyish beauty stood waiting slowly fridjof loosed from his belt the sword and dagger and laid them on the altar then he approached halfdan and held out his hand i offer it thee in truest friendship he said flushing with joy king halfdan laid his hand in fridjof's and they two long parted joined in a new-made bond as firm and strong as their native rocks even as they spoke ingeborg entered in bridal robes with happy tears she fell upon her brother's breast and he gently placed her in fridjof's arms then was performed the wedding rite and before baldur's face now smiling once again ingeborg became the bride of the lover of her youth End of section forty one